am so thankful you are here and that you are ready to jump into the Word of God and hear from heaven this morning. I do appreciate our praise team and Eugene and all the musicians and all that they do. Uh, you can praise the Lord even if you don't like the song. You can still praise the Lord. It's not about the song. It's about the Lord. And guys, listen to me. We have complicated things. Does anybody else feel like we live in the most complex society we've ever lived in? I mean, we have all this, all that, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, to this morning is the message, the simplicity that's in Christ. The simplicity that is in Christ. And I hope that you will get something today that will bless you. And I know that we're coming up on a stressful time. Uh, a lot of you mothers and ladies and grandmothers, and you all have to do a lot for Christmas to make it happen at your house. And uh, very stressful and all that good stuff. But listen, it's all about Jesus Christ. If we would just see that, I'm not telling you not have gifts. I like gifts. I love to see my kids and now my grandchildren, child and children on the way, uh, open gifts. And I'm so excited about that. And it is exciting. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I tell you, it is a battle to keep things about Jesus Christ. It's a battle in the local church to keep the church about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have to be careful that we don't move from the simplicity that's in Christ Jesus. And that's the message this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow... As the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Father, I ask you to bless our time together. Draw our attention to you. And Lord, this is all about you. May we see you in your word. May we hear from you. And may we be changed because of it. Lord, I know there are many here that are going through various things. And what we need is a simple message about you. And so I pray you would help me. Lord, I pray that through this word that you have given me, it might help our church family. And Lord, we pray right now for your strength, for your power, and for your blessing upon us. I ask you for your help. Lord, I, there's no way I can do this without you. I need you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Thank you very much. As I said just a few moments ago, everything is so complicated, and even so when we come to church. Have you ever noticed there are churches on every corner? There are big churches, there are small churches. There are old churches, there are new churches. There are innovative churches, and there's plain old country churches. There are churches on every corner. And one has to ask himself or herself, what do I want from church? What do I expect from church? Uh, I get re receive, we receive all kinds of junk mail here at the church. Multiple times through the week, there's a conference going on. Multiple times through the week, we receive literature of a program that if we put in our church, it's going to revolutionize and change our church. 
May I say to you what's the single thing that we could do that would change our church is that we have a single-minded, pure devotion to Jesus Christ. That's what the phrase, the simplicity in Christ means. A single-minded, sincere, pure devotion to Jesus Christ. In other words, everything that we do, we do it because of Jesus Christ. Not so that someone recognizes it or not so that you know we get so many likes on Facebook or anything like that. But we do it because Jesus. And it's a subtle thing. But I want to show you something in this text that is very important. I want to show you that Paul's concern for the church at Corinth was not that, not that they were falling into this, but that they would fall into this. That they would be deceived into the same deception that Eve was deceived into. And I want to show you this because it's crept into our churches. What is Paul's concern? What is he worried about? Notice what he says in verse 1. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed you would bear with me, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. He has a godly jealous. God, the Bible tells us God is a jealous God. And he has the same kind of jealousy for this church that he ministered to so much. And he was afraid that they would be deceived just like Eve was deceived and they would be led astray. Now listen to me. They would be still looking like a church. That on the outside they would be functioning just like a church would function. They would probably still even bear the name First Baptist Corinth. I don't know. Just making that up. But they would, by all intents and purposes, from the outside looking in, they would resemble what America would think a church is. And he says this, For I have betrothed you to one husband, the church is the bride of Christ, that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, meaning that you're not dabbling with any other religion or any other uh, gospel or any other spirit. He said, I want to... I want to present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. So he was afraid that something might happen. It had not happened yet. And to understand this, I started asking myself, how did the serpent deceive Eve? And if you will, for just a moment, go with me to Genesis chapter 3. We have to go back to a refresher's, refresher course on this. Because this is in the text and we read it and we think it's about disobedience and we think about this, but the devil is more subtle than what you and I think. Remember a few months ago or something, I preached a message on Satan would like to sift you as wheat. And there's this constant sifting process that Satan and his demons are doing in your life. They're constantly perusing things through your mind that <clears throat> if something catches, he's waiting to tempt you with that. That's what the scripture teaches us. And a lot of people say, well, you're just being spooky. You believe all that stuff, you better believe I believe it because the Bible says it. Amen. And so in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, we see, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Remember what God said. God said, listen, in the day that you eat that fruit, you will die. So Satan says, you're not going to die. Look at verse 5. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, 
Satan subtly moved in and got Eve to think with her flesh, you're not going to need God if you eat that. That's why he doesn't want you to eat that. He wants to keep you under his thumb so you be disobedient. You don't eat it because he knows if you eat it, you're going to be like him. And Eve says, you mean I can be the God of my own life? You mean I can do what I want to do? And you know the story, she ate of the fruit. The deception is this. What Satan did was to convince Eve, it's not about what God wants, but it's about what you want, Eve. We are in a mess in our country because people are putting what they want above the truth and above facts. I feel this way, okay? So what? It doesn't change the truth of a fact. But the devil comes in and says, listen, God knows if you do this, you're going to be like him. You'll be God. If you realize you don't need God, you'll be the God of your life, and you can do whatever you want to do. Which means you can go to whatever church you want to go to, and you can listen to whatever gospel you want to. I think of the prosperity gospel movement. I'm in direct opposition to the prosperity gospel movement. And I don't, I'm not, I, I know that there are some deceivers, but I think there are many who are deceived into believing that. The prosperity gospel is God wants you to be rich, you'll never be sick, and etc. And you can have all that fulfilled if you come to Him in Christ. And it's not always not just coming to Christ. You always have to come to Christ and you have to give Him something, right? But Christianity is not about what you give Him, it's what He has already given you. These are subtle differences that creep in. And then we are moved away from the truth of the Word of God. The truth of the Word of God no longer matters to us. It's what we feel. So now we have to have all these programs. If we're going to get people to come, we've got to have programs. Why? Because we've been deceived into believing that I am the God of my life and what I want, the church should provide it for me. And if they don't give me a certain type of music, if they don't give me Batman, if they don't give me this, then I'm not going to be a part of it. And you're already falling into that. Now the door's opened to another gospel. I think if the Apostle Paul could live today, he would be absolutely infuriated. Taking a whole Sunday morning service and the Lion King, having people dressed up like Lion King and dancing around on stage and try to teach Christ out of Lion King. I know, I know that's crazy. And we're like, what? Men dancing around in leotards dressed up like a lion at church. Come on. You tell me deception hasn't crept into the church? Men dancing in leotards, anything should not be doing anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Not even church, especially not church. But what the devil wants, please hear me out, church. And I'm not being mean. I'm angry at the devil because he's got me with it before. But here's what the devil does. The devil wants us to pursue our desires, chase your dreams, please your flesh, because really it's all about you and your desires. But it's funny. I've never been with someone on their deathbed that talks about their fleshly desires. At the heart of all our struggles are the desires of the flesh. And the desires of the flesh 
is merely your flesh wanting to control you. That's why flesh and spirit are in opposition to one another. Your flesh wants to control you. That's why flesh is not permitted in heaven. Did you know that? Even if we are alive when the rapture happens, we're changed in the moment in a twinkling of an eye. Flesh, the corrupt, is made incorruptible. The mortal is made immortal. That's what the Bible says. Because flesh can't enter into heaven. He says that in the Bible. When we're deceived, then our minds are corrupted. <clears throat> and that's what he says back here in 2 Corinthians, if I could go back. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted, corrupted, corrupted. Long before you and I ever act upon any temptation or impulse or sin, our minds are corrupted. I don't doubt that some of these false teachers are sincere. I don't doubt that they're serious. But let me tell you something. They're deceived and their minds are corrupted. I mean, one pastor months ago was in the news because he had a jet and he won another $45 million jet. Are pastors no longer committed to their congregation? Why do I need to be worldwide? I'm called to Shawnee Hills Baptist Church. My primary responsibility is to pastor this flock, not go out and make a name for myself. See how our minds are corrupted? I've got to be worldwide. And what does that do? He says, if your minds are corrupted and you move from the simplicity of the gospel, I'm concerned that if someone comes to you with another Jesus or another gospel or another spirit, you may well put up with it. This was a huge concern for the Apostle Paul. And he says, I want to present you as a pure, chaste virgin to Christ, the bride of Christ. But if your minds are corrupted and you move from this, you will not be that pure bride of Christ. It's a concern. And so I think there's a better way here this morning. I think Paul's going to show us a better way. First of all, I want to tell you what simplicity means in the text here. What does it mean when Paul says you moved away from the simplicity of Christ? It means a sincere, single-minded devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what that means. Now guys, listen to me. Please hear me out. I wish I could say this was always true in, my, in the ministry that I've been called to. I think when I was so eager uh, when I came to Shawnee Hills Baptist Church to prove to everyone I could do it, that I moved from the simplicity in Christ and I tried every program available. And the deacons were so patient with me, the church was patient with me, they were kind and let me fail. When all along, church, you know what we need? We need a single minded, sincere, pure devotion to Jesus Christ. We need no other motive. 
I determined a long time ago, I'm not going to stand up here and preach to the people that are at church about church attendance. You're at church. It's a waste of time. What I want you to do is I want you to know Jesus Christ and know Him well. I want each of us, myself included, to grow every day in our relationship with the Lord. Because I am telling you what this world needs to see. I, I'm telling you guys, I, and I'm a prophet of doom. You can say what you want to, but I believe the Bible says evil will wax worse and worse. America, as we know it, our values, our morals are gone. You're not getting them back. Once someone, either party, figures out how to influence, it's over. We are just a pawn in a big game. Both parties use us, and I am not connected to the elephants. I'm not connected to the donkeys. I'm connected to the one who rode in on a donkey, Jesus. And we need to get that single-minded devotion back to Christ. We need to get it back, church. Because if not... We're making ourselves vulnerable for another Jesus to be preached. We're making ourselves vulnerable for another spirit. We're making ourselves vulnerable for another gospel. And we know what the, uh, the Apostle Paul said of that. Let him be cursed, whoever preaches another gospel. Could it be sometimes, church, we are more committed to the idea of church than we are the Lord Jesus Christ? Can I ask you a question? I don't know about you all, and I'm not making light of it. I have ADHD like on roids. I mean, serious. Steroids, that's what I mean. And um, my mind, when I study sometimes, my mind is over here. When I pray sometimes, my mind is over here. And when I, when I try to serve sometimes, there are sometimes I'm preaching and something goes through my mind, and I thank God that my lips don't catch it. And I think about how hard it is for me to focus on a book I'm reading or focus on my stu studying the Word of God or even sometimes focus on a conversation. I'm not joking. I'll be talking to you if you're talking to me and someone's over here talking. I can hear what you say and what they say. And then sometimes I want to answer what they're saying. And I'm right here. And I struggle with that. And I feel sometimes that's the way I am in Christianity. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I want to be with Jesus, but I got all these other things going on. And all these other things are taking precedence and, you know, fighting with the website, fighting with this, fighting with that. You know, th where's the simplicity in all that? One of my uh, close friends is one of our missionaries, Nahum O'Brien. Nahum has cancer. I meet with Nahum once a week, maybe sometimes twice, every two weeks or something like that. And um, he preached at a small church that didn't have a pastor. And he said, Kenny, I can't tell you how refreshing it was. We went into this church, and there was not a lot of people. And they had, they had songbooks. And he said they sang from the songbooks. And he said there was a special. And then I got up and I preached. And he said the people liked it. And he said it was so refreshing. It was so, I said, simple, because I've been working on this message. I said, simple. He said, simple, that's what it was. We've moved away from that. Church is all about that single-minded, sincere, pure devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've moved away from that church, and we've plugged, tried to plug that hole with a bunch of other garbage that will not satisfy 
It will not satisfy. And I think about all the things that compete for our attention now. How many times have you ever sat down to read the Bible and your phone goes off? Coincidence? I think not. You know, the devil, the last thing he wants you to do is read the eternal word of God. Why? Because you might believe it and obey it. That's why I don't do devotions on my phone. I am not disciplined enough. Oh, marketplace, look what someone's selling. Like I need that, right? No. What keeps us from simplicity in Christ? The deception that what you want in the flesh is more important than what God wants for you? What keeps you from simplicity in Christ? The attacks of the flesh to convince you that what you want is more important than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You know, my Bible tells me that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You and I will stand before a righteous and a holy God and we will give an account of our lives since we've been saved. And I don't think that we'll be able to say, well, you know, uh, I didn't want to go to church because, well, frankly, you know, I didn't like the music. Or I didn't like this or so-and-so didn't speak to me or are you kidding me? You're not going to say that. You'll be scared to death. You'll be terrified. Stand before our Savior. Paul's solution to deception and corrupted mind is a sincere, single-minded, pure devotion to Christ. And I want to close by just giving you a few things that I think will help you. Preventative measures will help you maintain your single-minded, sincere, pure devotion to Christ. The first thing I would tell you is this. To get to where you're going, you've got to know where you are. If you want to put anything in Google and you're going to go anywhere, you've got to know where you are. If you want to go anywhere with Jesus Christ, you've got to be honest and upfront about where you are with him. You can fool me, I can fool you, but I can't fool God and you can't fool God. And before you can go anywhere with Christ, you have to have an honest assessment about where you are. Sometimes we don't like that. We don't like God to reveal things in our lives that's not right. Well, let me tell you something. When you stand before Jesus Christ one day, you will be glad that he revealed them so that you could confess and repent of those. Secondly, I think we have to face the truth. We have to face the truth. It cracks me up. You go to get help, you seek help from a therapist or a doctor, and, and the doctor says, well, tell me what you think. <laughs> tell me what I think. I'm paying you. You tell me what you think. Why don't we do that with our lives? Why don't we go to the Word of God and say, Lord, tell me what you think is right or wrong in my life. I need to face the truth. I need to face the truth. When I face the truth, I confess my sin. I say the same thing about sin that God says about it. I don't just lay down on my head at night and say, Lord, forgive me for all my sins today. That's a cheap way out. Jesus Christ died for every individual sin. You and I can confess those sins and we know them. We're not aloof to them. We hide them. We bury them. But let me tell you something. The Word of God says this. There is nothing done in the dark 
that will not be brought to light. You've got to face the truth. Number three, I must die to self. Lee Robertson preached a message all over the world. All over the world is a great preacher here. I talked about other preachers preaching all over the world earlier. But anyways, he, every, just about every message he would preach, he would tell them, you've got to die to self every day. Die to self, ev- self every day. Why would I tell you that? Because the Word of God tells us that in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, you know this passage of Scripture. But it says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why would he tell us to do that? Because they're in direct opposition to each other. And if you don't crucify yourself daily, if you don't die to that flesh daily, if you don't surrender it to the will of God daily, you will struggle daily with the battle of flesh versus spirit. But the way to walk in the spirit is to crucify the flesh. How do you do that? I'm dead to it. I'm no longer listening to the flesh. When it tempts me and these things go through my mind, I surrender and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This is what we should have been preaching a long time ago instead of messages on drinking water and parking up front and having all your dreams met. I must die to myself. My flesh is public enemy number one to myself. Number four, I must surrender. I must surrender, I must surrender to the will of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable will of God. After Paul takes the arguments of doctrine all through Romans, he says, now that you got this, present yourself. Present your body as a living sacrifice. J. Vernon McGee said the problem with living sacrifices is they like to crawl off the altar. I must surrender. Today, my day is not about what I want and what my flesh wants. That's the devil trying to deceive me and corrupt my mind. That's why you can be innocently on the internet and you're watching a video about tools or something else and the next video that comes on is something that not appropriate to watch because the devil is constantly sifting you as wheat because he wants to kill you I must surrender number five I must prioritize Christ first years ago I think it was the Jerry Falwell that had the Jesus first pins that they promoted they all wore them and said Jesus first it was supposed to be a reminder that we are to put Jesus as a priority in our lives? Guys, listen to me. Hear me out. It's, it's not hard. We make it hard. You need to have a daily devotional life with Christ. You need to hear from Him. He speaks through His Word. And you need to talk to Him in prayer. You need to fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ and you're here. And I thank God for that, and you are doing that here. It is important. These are some of the the gifts and the tools that God has given us 
that we can be preventive in our work, <coughs> that we not be fall, fall prey to the deception of the devil and have corrupt minds. These are tools. But I will tell you this. The devil will move heaven and earth to try to keep you from reading your Bible. Have you ever noticed that when it's about church time, chaos happens? Or leading up to it? Is anybody with me? You, you, we, we, do we think it's a coincidence? This is all coincidental? No. Of course not. I need to prioritize Christ in my life. He needs to be number one in my life. Guys, please, you know, just for a moment, bear with me. And I don't even know how to pick a hobby that someone in here doesn't do. Croquet, or what's that ball? Cricket, cricket. Nobody plays cricket in here. But there are people who know every cricket player. You think, what is cricket? I don't know. But bear with me for a moment. There's people who know every World Series and every college football player and all this, but they can't tell you the six things that God hates and the seventh is an abomination. We know all these useless facts about everything, and we know very little about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're being corrupted. We're being moved away from our single-minded, sincere devotion. That's why I like to read the Puritans. I've been, uh, through some other authors, authors, been introduced to the Puritans. Thank God your preacher only preaches 30 minutes. Those Puritans preached an hour and a half introduction. Jonathan Edwards preached the sermon and he sat behind a desk and read it. He had pop bottle glasses and he read the sermon, Sinners in, a hand, in the Hands of an Angry God. And it is reported that there were men and women lying in the floor, clutching the pew, afraid that they were about to fall into hell right then. You see, what happens is, when we chase the flesh, we, we forfeit the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that we need to prioritize Christ. I think we need the power of the Holy Spirit more than we need anything else. Events happen that mean stuff to us. A team loses, but you know what? The sun came up this morning. And you know there are people lying within a, within a mile of this church. There are people lying, breathing probably their last breaths on this earth. We've moved away from a single-minded, sincere, pure devotion to Jesus Christ. Everything else seems to matter more than Jesus matters now. You can pack a house for a, a political rally. And there are a lot of churches sitting empty today. We forfeited. We forfeited a single-minded devotion, pure devotion to Christ. I must prioritize Christ. Number six, I must be on guard. I've got to watch out for Satan. There's a man, I won't say his name, who I love to hear preach. I went to Cedarville one time and hear him preach. 
He was a great preacher, pastor of a large church down south. Twelve years ago, an incident happened that was inappropriate. He's no longer a pastor. He's been going through counseling with four or five other pastors, he and his wife. And if you and I think that it could never happen to us, that is the most foolish statement someone would ever make. Everyone in this room is vulnerable to fall to the attacks of Satan. And if you say it would never happen to me, you are only putting a target on your back. Don't ever say my kids would never do. Don't you, don't you ever say that. It always crack me up. People say my kids don't act that way. Yeah, yeah. we know how your kids act. They act just like my kids. They're kids. The kids are kids. And we got to be on guard. We got to be on guard. We got to be vigilant about it. And yes, people are going to say, well, you're just too strict. Well, let them say it anyways. Here's one of them old Bible thumpers. Praise God. I don't know what a Bible thumper is, but if it has anything to believe in and obey in the Bible, I'm it. I got to be on guard because Satan is attacking me. Number seven, I must grow spiritually. When a child is not growing physically, you take that child to the doctor. And you want to find out why that child is not growing. Why he's not growing mentally. Is there something wrong? Why is he not growing physically? Why are we not concerned with members in the church who are not growing spiritually? Why are we not taking them to the great physician and asking the Heavenly Father, What's wrong, Lord? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? See, I have come to the conclusion that Christianity is easy to fake. We can come to church in our church clothes and we can look all churchy. We can get our Bibles and walk in. We can even argue over teachings in the Bible. We can do all these things And be a hundred miles away from Christ. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. I heard a story from Keith yesterday, and I thought, I need to tell that story. There was a small church, and they decided that they needed a new piano for their worship team. So they started raising money for the piano. Well, Half of the people liked the organ, and they got upset because they were raising money for the piano. So the church, trying to appease everyone, decided they would buy a piano and an organ. Well, the piano people got mad at the organ people because they were now standing up, and they weren't given priority, so they decided to hide the organ. They hid the organ for a year. Guess where they found the organ? In the baptistry. Sad, isn't it? How can we how can we pretend that everything's right when we know it's not? If you were to leave this earth today and stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, could you in a sincere, honest way say, I'm standing before the Lord and say, I was sincerely single-minded 
purely devoted to you. Could you say that? If not, would you be willing to confess this morning? See, it all begins with that honest assessment. I'm not where I need to be. God, I'm going to confess and I'm going to acknowledge it. And then after I confess, I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from it. God, I don't know exactly how to do all this, but I'm going to start right now. I'm going to start right now by coming clean. Because if I want to go there with you, I've got to admit where I am right now. Before I put those GPS coordinates in or that address in of going further with you, Lord, I've got to acknowledge where I am. And where I am is not a single-minded, pure, sincere devotion to you. Oh, sure, I love you, but I want enough for you to take me to heaven and meet all my needs and leave me alone and let me run the rest of my life. Really? That's not the simplicity that's in Christ. See, the reason Paul wrote this was, and he goes on to talk about it, and at the end he ties in that there are false teachers that are going to come along. And the best, the best defense is a good offense. Now, I know all these people that do this, say, oh, defense, oh, 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 I'm just telling you right now. When it comes to faith in Christ, if you get on the offensive, that's the best defense you can have. And I would tell you this. I'm I'm telling you this with all my heart. There'll be another man standing in this pulpit one day. There'll be other people sitting in that pew one day. We're all dying. I'm just full of good news today. If you're healthy, you're dying at the slowest possible rate. Truth of the matter is, we may never be just like this again. There may be one or two of us in here that pass away before the next service. And then what will all this stuff that we've divided our allegiance over, what will all this stuff profit us? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? That word soul there, suke. In the Greek, has been translated just a few verses earlier. In the English, it was translated life. Your soul is good, right? You're going to heaven. You're saved. But let me ask you a question. What would it profit you if you gained the whole world and lose your life? This was reading in my morning Bible reading this morning. The man that had all the, the crop, he wanted to build, build bigger barns and put more crop in so he could sit back and his life would be easy. He wouldn't have to worry about anything. He wouldn't have to trust God. And then he said, Jesus said, and he dies, whose stuff is it? You'll be up for auction and people will come and pilfer through everything you work for. All these pages of sermons and notes and all this stuff that I've got scattered throughout all my offices one day will be kindling. Well, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with it. Burn it. Doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus Christ. Strip it all away. We're about to go into the Christmas season. You know what matters? Jesus Christ. And I would tell you this. I wouldn't be much of a preacher if I didn't. If you're not right, I would, I would encourage you. Get right. I love you. I would never be judgmental. I never would say anything unkind out of you or to you about anything. But I'm telling you, if you're not right with Christ, I would not gamble with my life. I would get it right. Let's make it simple, guys.
It doesn't have to be this complex. Let's make it simple. Let's return to a single-minded, sincere, pure devotion to Christ. Let's do that. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. That's what matters. Father, would you bless